Hey everyone, happy Valentine's Day. Welcome to Viva Porvino, a podcast about wine. Again, I'm Jen. I'm your founder, owner, and sommelier. We are getting into some fun stuff and getting on our journey to travel around the world but we have a little bit more to cover before we get there um i figured it was only fitting to make red wine day on valentine's day so um we're gonna cover red wine today last week we covered white wine some of the more popular grapes some of my favorites uh goat twos what you're looking for when you're out there and some flavor profiles. So we're gonna kind of mirror and match that again today. Um, and we're gonna do that with red wine today. So um, as we discussed last time, we started kind of talking about like the winemaking process, right? So. When red wine is made, it's made just a little bit differently than white wine. So remember, white wine was crushed, squeezed, fermented, and then bottled. Where red wine is crushed, dark grapes only, and then it's fermented with its solids, warm and fast. White wine, cold and slow, red wine, warm and fast. Then we're going to squeeze the grapes and the juices from those solids. Remember, the deeper the color comes from the skins, right? And then we're going to bottle that and age that however it is that the winemaker decides, right? So again, really quick, we ferment first and then we squeeze the juices, Just kind of keep that in your head as we move forward to understand, you know, different levels of color, different levels of body, and we're going to continue to progress. So when we ended our episode last week, I kind of reflected on styles of white wine um, from sparkling all the way through to your full body. So I think that's where I want to start today with red. I'm going to list off some of the more popular um, and more well-known red wines. Um, But we're going to start from that more sweet side, sometimes bubbly with the red side. And we're going to get all the way to your deepest, fullest body red today. So um, I got a good long list. We're going to cover some stuff. I'll whip through a few of these with some flavor profiles and where you're going to find them and we'll continue to move forward from there now hold on to your hats once we get through red wine today we're headed into old world versus new world to set us up for my very excited series um we are going to travel the world and we are going to get to all over the world in every single region we're gonna dive in we're gonna talk about each region on a map 
Um, And I'm highly, highly going to encourage you to follow my social medias with this. And I'm doing this shameless plug at the beginning because um, I really am making sure that the journey that we're on with Viva Porvino, a podcast about wine, is also followed up in my social medias. So um, Facebook and Instagram would be where you kind of follow that. You're going to find maps. You're going to find different little tidbits of information and things like that. So um, hold on to your hats. Be with me on this because this journey is going to be one heck of an adventure. And I'm so excited for it. So I hope you're just as excited as I am. Um, So let's dive right in today to Red Wine. Um, One of my favorite songs is Red, Red Wine. Um, I love that song because it explains that not everything that's surface level is what it seems. Um, There might be a little dust on the bottle, um, but it don't let it fool you about what's inside. Um, some co- good country songs I'm, I'm quoting over here. So red wine, we tend to age a little bit longer. Some red wines are almost a delicacy and you want to hold on to it for a long period of time. Um, no, of course, we've talked about this in the past. As it ages, sometimes it caramelizes a little bit more, turns into a caramely color. Um, also, you know, has some almost syrupy, caramely textures and things like that. So on the scale, we start with the sweets. And a lot of the times you don't really get sweet red wine. Um, when people say that, I think they're a lot of the times they want a little bit of sweetness to it. But they also are more looking for the fruity side versus like the big tannin bombs and the suck your bone dry type wine. So um, on the other note, some people just really like really super sweet wine. And one of those that I love and I absolutely love pairing with chocolate is called Brichetto. Um, Typically an Italian grape, um, but we'll dive into that a little bit more. But Brichetto is a really great, great sweet grape. Another one um, on the sweet side is a Gamay. tends to be a lighter body as well but not like overwhelmingly sweet sweet like a bruchetto um but then similar to that you also have a lambrusco and lambrusco for a long long time was very very popular um people don't love it as much as they used to before um but there are people out there who absolutely live and die by a lambrusco and i don't hate it i think it's a really cool sweet wine I think it's also a really good wine to make with different types of cocktails. So you could definitely use a Lambrusco to make something sweet cocktail-wise, maybe a Sangria, things like that. As we move into the the progression of body and getting out of the sweets and bubblies, we get into kind of those starter red wines is what I would call them. So if you are not a red wine drinker, and you're trying to get into red wine. You don't want to necessarily start with a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Malbec or a Syrah or a Petit Verdot or a Petit Syrah or something like that. You want to start with something a little bit fruitier, a little bit more on that sweet side, and a little bit less body. So in that regard, I highly recommend a Sinsalt, a Pinot Noir, 
Pinot Noir is one of my favorite starter grapes for a lot of people. And there's a lot of cool ways Pinot Noir can come to people. Um, sometimes they tend to be a little bit more fruity. I would say that's the California side. Uh, Willamette Valley is a, one of my favorite places to get a Pinot Noir from. And that tends to be a little bit more earthy, mushroom, olivey, um, super cool. Norella Muscalese. Not everyone knows what a Norella Muscalese is, but it's a really really elegant fancy floral wine from Italy um, I will fully admit that a lot of my background is Italian wine um, and I'm I call myself an Italian snob at this point and if you can get your hands on a really good Norella Muscalese I would be proud of you and I would tell you that that's the best money you're gonna spend on wine um, I live and die by a Norella Muscalese. I think it's one of the most exquisite wines on the planet. Um, furthermore, a Carmenere tends to be on its own. A lot of the times a Carmenere is somewhere blended into something. Um, it tends to be blended into a Bordeaux blend as well. Um, and then the other side of that in Italy, kind of the same body profile is a Valpolicella. And you can get a Rapasso, you can get an Amarone, but Valpolicella is a nice, kind of like medium-bodied, fruity, but really elegant. Has a nice floral bites to it and things. I just love a Valpolicella. As we keep moving forward to the heavier bodies, we get into a Cab Franc, we get into a Barbera from Italy, Grenache or Grenache, Merlot. Now, I've had this conversation recently, especially at work, um, the difference between United States, aka California Merlots versus France and Sweden and Germany's Merlots. Honestly, you would think that Merlot would grow the same and it would taste the same. I can tell you with 100% certainty that Merlot from the old world versus Merlot from the new world are very different and very different profiles. So here's my encouragement in this. And I'm going to go on a soapbox for Merlot for just a second. I've never been a fan. But I've never been a fan because I've only been ever been exposed to Merlots from the United States. I am starting to get fully invested into like France and Germany and Spain and things and let me tell you some of these French Merlots that I'm trying are alarming I would I will sniff it and I will taste it and I will say what is this and someone will look at me and say that's Merlot and I will say no it's not are you kidding me so here's the deal don't knock it till you try it I would say if you have not enjoyed a Merlot, try a French Merlot and see if that's different for you. And I only say that because that's my experience, okay? Pass that into the Italian realm because there's so many Italian grapes that are just super delicious. Uh, Multipucciano, a Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is uh, the grape inside of uh, Barolo. Uh, there's a Negro Amora, Sangiovese, Sangiovese is Chianti, um, Nero Diavola. These are all 
I would say medium to heavier bodies. We're getting into the bigger bodies. Now, another big bodied one I really love is a GSM blend. GSM, Grenache, Syrah, and typically Movedra. Sometimes that M could be Monstrel, which is really cool because it adds some spice notes and some smokiness to it, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Then you have Petite Verdot, Petite Syrah, a Pinotage, just Syrah or Shiraz. It's typically Syrah all around the world. In uh, Australia, they call it Shiraz. Now that's your heavy stuff. Your Pinotage, your Syrah, your Zinfandel. That's going to be your biggest body. I poured one last night. Miss Julie Johnson from uh, California has this wine called Porque No. Why not is what it's called. Porque No. It is a Zinfandel Petite Syrah Cabernet with 1% Petite Verdot blend. And this wine is crushing it. It is killer. I think it's one of my favorites right now. Um, it's not as heavy as I expected, though. It had so many really cool notes to it. So if you can get your hands on anything from Miss Julie Johnson at Tres Sabores. Tres Sabores is her winery um, in California. Um, her Thinking Cap Red Blend is absolutely fantastic, but I do really, really recommend her Porque No um, if you're into heavy-bodied reds. So now that we've kind of gone through a list and we've gone, you know, kind of all over the place when it comes to sweetest to the, the biggest, you know, we kind of did that in progression. I'm going to jump all over the place and we are going to talk about different red wines now. And I'm going to talk about some profiles with you, just the same as we did in the white wine session. Um, but I'm going to cover some of these red wines. Um, and just bear with me. Hang on with me and maybe take some notes. We're not going to go in progression. We're just going to grab a couple of reds and we're going to talk about them. So um, one of the first ones I want to talk about, because I'm kind of an Italian snob, is Barbera. Barbera, Barbaresca um, are very much two of the most popular grapes from Italy. And what we need to know about Barbera is it's from the Piedmont region in Italy, which we'll get there when we go to Italy. But it's like an everyday drinking wine. And something we'll learn about in our next session for Old World versus New World is that wine is made in the Old World to be drank and paired with food and to be drank every day. Where in the United States, we tend to make it, uh, we want to drink it, we want to drink it now, we want a lot of flavor. We don't care if there's food or not, right? So on a Barbera, you're going to get high acidity and that's because you need the acid to cut the foods. Ultimately, that's what it is. It's got a good body. It's going to have high alcohol content, but it's going to be low in sweetness and low in tannin. So it's not going to be super dry. Um, it's going to be kind of tart cherries and licorice and blackberries and a little bit of herb and black pepper. Remember what we've talked about. 
what grows together goes together. So this grape tends to be out of Italy more often than not. Um, and is really just this everyday drinking. It's also one that you can decant. It's also one that can be put in a cellar for like say three to seven years or so. Um, and if you store it properly, that that wine can become just an absolutely exquisite wine over time. Um, again, probably a little bit more caramely just because of the nature of the wine. So I recommend a Barbera. Now, popping back over to the Brichetto, where it's that sweet side of things. Um, I told you I like to pair it with chocolate, and here's why. Some of the notes you're getting are candied strawberries, orange zest, blackcurrant, apricot, and cream. All of those I would dip in chocolate. <laughs> so, um, Brichetto tends to be a very sweet, kind of rare grape from Piedmont again. But this is one that is bubbly, it's sweet, it is ready to go. Um, but sometimes very limited. The one I currently have on my list at work is called Koki. Um, and I, I absolutely love Koki. Um, it's, it's really just a really sweet, really awesome bruchetto. So if you're a sweet person, feel free to get your, get on that bruchetto bandwagon and really just kind of find your way into the Italian sweets because the, that stuff is really good. Another one we could talk about today um, that I mentioned, Carmineri, um, really great blending wine. Um, it's not part of the five Bordeaux grapes, but it's kind of like that little outlier for a Bordeaux blend. And we're going to talk about a Bordeaux blend in just a second. Um, but I wanted to touch on Carmineri first because this one is probably one of the most balanced wines you're going to get between acid, tannin, alcohol, and body. Um, not sweet whatsoever. You're getting raspberry, plum, and vanilla. But then the spicy side of that, you're going to get some like bell peppers and a little bit of paprika, which is super cool because when Carmineri is then blended with, say, a Merlot or a Cab Franc or a Cabernet Sauvignon, it brings out some extra life in those wines. Because of its fruit to spice balance, the peppery notes tend to bring out a lot more from the other grapes it's blended with. Um, so I find Carmineri a really cool wine. It can be decanted. It also can be one that is aged for a long time and it really can kind of sit. So say five to 15 years. Um, if you get a good bottle of Carmineri and it, especially if it's 100% Carmineri, I would say store it properly. 60 to 68 degrees and hold on to it for about 10 years and come back to it. This, a Carmineri is one that becomes an investment. It really does become an investment. Now, I mentioned Bordeaux blends. I've mentioned Bordeaux multiple times, but we're really gonna talk about this and we're gonna get real 
real deep into Bordeaux in France. Um, but a Bordeaux blend tends to be a very heavy body, typically high in alcohol, typically high in tannin, not sweet at all, slightly acidic, but typically not acidic at all. Like these are your grapes. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, you know, we're recording. This is live and naturally I just had a yawn. So I apologize for that. Um, but Bordeaux is primarily a blend of Cabernet and Merlot. Okay. Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. So a lot of the times you're going to get those notes, which are black currants, cherries, graphite, chocolate, herbs, things like that. But what you need to know is that Bordeaux has a requirement of two or more of the five original Bordeaux grapes. So what are those grapes? Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, Petit Verdot, and again, very rarely, Carmenere. Okay? Now, also, think about all of these blended. That's going to be a pretty heavy bottle. That means we're going to need to decant it. We're probably going to need a bigger oversized glass, so a big Bordeaux glass so that we get some good aeration when we swirl. You're also probably going to spend a little bit more money on this kind of wine because this is a higher elevated wine. The cellar aging, once you have it bottled, you could sit on this for 20 plus years. And I would. Bordeaux's definitely another one to be an investment. And like I said, Carmenere, I would highly recommend that as we start to get a little bit further into learning about these different grapes, know which ones you can put on a shelf and put on a shelf and leave them there for a while, right? So another one of those Bordeaux grapes and my current go-to and favorite grape is called Cab Franc. Um, Cab Franc is a parent grape of Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. Cab Franc is very much a French grape, but grows all over the place. So we're talking South Africa, Chile, Hungary, the U.S., Italy, um, Spain, Canada, Argentina. But again, a lot of the times it's coming from France. I can tell you that I know a winemaker in the state of Michigan that is currently growing a Cab Franc. And I am totally here for it. Um, we tend to be a little bit cooler so I'm hoping that it gives it that body that it needs. But Cab Franc has the strawberries and raspberries. Does the, the crushed pepper and the bell pepper and chili pepper. But what you're also going to get on a Cab Franc is a little bit of minerality. And it also tends to adapt the flavors of its area. So at my work, I have um, one called Marseille La Vie. Oh my gosh, this Cab Franc. Listen, when I got to my job... I looked at the wine list and I said, where's the Cab Franc? And we did not have any Cab Franc. 
So I tried about six different ones and I fell in love with Merce La Vie. It's from the Bourguil region in the Loire Valley in France. And that is kind of a native situation. But the Bourguil region is super cool. And what I know about it is it's a small population of about 3,500 people. And everybody in that town either makes wine or makes food to eat the food and drink the wine. I mean, really, what a place to be. I'm not mad at it. I want to go. When are we packing our bags is really what I'm talking about. Um, you get the Cab Franc from other places as well. And each region with the Cab Franc also, like I said, Cab Franc tends to adopt its region's flavors. Um, so when you're in France, in the Loire Valley, I would tell you it's going to be very bell peppery, chili flakes, raspberry sauce wet gravel, dry herbs. It's going to be really kind of food focused, right? In Italy, you're getting the cherries, the leathers, the strawberries, coffee, licorice. A lot of kind of that style of, I would say, a cab, but a pinot at the same time, okay? Um, in California, you're getting more raspberries and dried strawberries, so not as pungent. You're gonna get the tobacco, but you're also gonna get vanilla and cedar. A lot of that is gonna come from its oak barrel aging, but also comes from you know the foothills in California. So I am going to press to you to find a Cab Franc. Cab Franc is ridiculously cool, but it's also very different. It's a very acquired taste. It's not going to be juicy and fruity and jammy like your Cabernet Sauvignon is going to be. It's going to be full of textures, full of flavors, full of layers. Now on the other side of the Cabernet, we have Cabernet Sauvignon. Probably the most popular grape ever. Literally ever. We are talking everywhere in the world grows Cabernet Sauvignon. It's the world's most popular natural grape. Um, also the origination of Bordeaux. So without a Cabernet Sauvignon, you do not have a Bordeaux blend. Um, grows everywhere. Uh, Russia, Bulgaria, South Africa, Italy, Argentina, China, Spain, Australia, Chile, France, and of course the United States of America. Cabernet Sauvignon tends to be very big cherry, black cherry most of the time, black currant, cedar, baking spices, graphite. There's so much complexity to Cabernet Sauvignon that it really also depends on where you are in the world. Um, chili is going to give you the blackberries and the black cherries. You're going to get fig. You're going to get baking spices. Again, probably from the barrel oak aging. And some peppercorn. Okay, just think about that. You're going to get some peppercorn. Now, if you hop over to Napa Valley and California, you're getting the black currant, maybe some pencil lead. That happens more often than not. But tobacco, blackberry, mint juicy, jammy, pungentness. 
say in South Australia, you're going to get black plums, white pepper, chocolate, bay leaf, candied notes. So like I said, Cabernet Sauvignon, most popular grape in the world, but depending on where it comes from, you are going to get those base flavors. You're going to get the black currant, you're going to get the cherry, you're going to get the cedar, you're going to get the baking spices. But everywhere it grows, it has a minute difference. And I would highly encourage you to step away from Napa Valley and get something a little bit off your realm. Now, when we talk about regions in the United States, we're going to talk about AVAs, American Viticulture Areas. Places like Paso Robles, um, St. Helena, Alexander Valley, Sonoma County, Santa Barbara County are all AVAs. And these are areas in which your grapes are going to be more centrally located. The grapes in that bottle are going to come directly from there instead of coming from juice all over the place. And we'll get really deep into that. Um, but think about every bit of what you're drinking and where it's coming from because the minute differences from those regions and those areas can make a huge difference inside of your wine. Talked a little bit about Grenache. Grenache tends to be blended with a GSM, Grenache Syrah Movedra, um, but Grenache at on its own is really super flavorful. Um, tends to be a big varietal in Chateauneuf de Pop um, from the Rhone Valley. It's a high intensity flavor, so you're gonna get uh, more stewed strawberries, grilled plums, like blood orange. Also gonna get some leather and some dried herbs. Definitely can decant a Grenache. I would definitely decant it if it's a Chateauneuf de Pop from Rome. Very popular in France. United States does some Grenache. Italy a little bit. Pretty much anywhere in Spain. But Grenache tends to be a really rich, pungent, full-flavored, very high alcohol. Red wine. I absolutely love Grenache. I think it's a really great blending wine. Um, but I also think on its own, it really can, it can stand the test of time and it can really hold up, hold itself on its own. On that note, Malbec does kind of the same thing for me. Um, Malbecs tend to come from Argentina, um, tend to come a little bit from France and some places in the United States, but this is Argentina's most popular varietal. And like Cab and Malbec, um, it doesn't really have a long finish, but it's it's heavy. So it's going to cut through meat for you. It's going to have a big body. The tannins are going to be mild. It's going to have some spice to it. Um, red plum, blackberries, sometimes some vanilla. Tends to have some cocoa and tobacco to it. Um... I think Malbec, first of all, again, one of the five Bordeaux grapes. Um, I think Malbec is one of those that people don't give a 
full chance to and then when they do they're like blown away and alarmed at what kind of wine Malbec can really be so keep a note of that I would say if you're ready for some body and some spice grab a Malbec I love an Alamo Malbec. It's a very inexpensive bottle at the grocery store. Um, I would also tell you that a Malbec, an Argentinian Malbec is the way you want to go. Don't try a Malbec from anywhere else until you have really learned to love an Argentinian Malbec because you'll be very disappointed. I want to repeat exactly what I just said about a Monastrel. So I was introduced to Monastrel by this bottle called Triga. Um, I think it's Bodegas and it's called Triga, T-R-I-G-A. It's the heaviest bottle of your life and it's got three gold circles on the front of it. By what I know, this one in particular um, is a cab Monastrel blend and Monastrel similar to Movedra um, is a nice blended wine but it's spicy and when I say that I'm talking like spices like black pepper, cocoa, roastedness, tobacco it leaves a smoke that I've never experienced in a wine before. Um, typically from Spain. Now the Triga one is from the Alicante region in Spain. And this thing is smoky. You literally put it in your, take a drink. And it's almost like you peeled a piece of meat off the smoker. And it like wafts in your mouth. For me, Monastrel is one of my newest favorites um i've gotten 100 percent monastrel i know plum market has some but most of the time they're blended because it's it's definitely a blended grape so can be a gsm blend can be on its own um, but monastrel is essentially like a movedra from france where monastrel is more southern spain Okay, so just know those those distinctions and the differences between the two. But really, um, when you want some flavor, some layers, some profiles that you've never had before, I think those couple of grapes, the Movedra, Monastrel, um, are really great ones to go by. Um, and sticking it with the M's, Montepulciano, another really, really fantastic. Um, red wine from Italy. It's from Abruzzo. Um, again, smoky. Sometimes has some sweetness to it. It's got a full body. It's got a balanced tannin acid play. Um, red plum, blackberries, dried thyme, spices. Um, again, very Italy predominant. Doesn't really grow anywhere else. But Montepulciano tends to be one of those, again, really full-bodied heavy red wines that has a lot of complexity a lot of layers and is really just an awesome red wine and honestly I don't think it's the credit that it deserves to be honest with you because there's so many grapes in Italy and everyone's like oh I love Barolo oh I love Barbaresca oh I love this I think people don't try Montepulciano because they're really not sure on even how to say it 
Um, so again, Montepulciano, M-O-N-T-E-P-U-L-C-I-A-N-O. Definitely one to try. One of my favorites, Maramiero makes it. Maramiero, Montepulciano de Abruzzo. That is one you need to try. While we're in Italy for the time being, because we're not actually in Italy, um, darn, I wish I was, another very popular grape and actually probably one of the most famous grapes of all time is the Nebbiolo grape. This is Barolo. Um, The 2018 Barolo Vintage has officially been awarded the number one vintage of all time. So if we know that, we know that Nebbiolo has cherries, roses, leather, anise, clay. We know it's Italy predominant. Nebbiolo is going to be the most balanced when it comes to tannin and acid. It's going to have a body to it. Not full, but pretty darn close gonna have some high alcohol but again Barolo from the Piedmont region made from Nebbiolo grape is a number one the 2018 vintage is the number one vintage of all time at this point so um, make sure when you're looking it up you're saying I want a Nebbiolo know that you're looking for Barolo Another popular one that I really enjoy from Italy is Negro Mora. Um, it's from the Pugila, Pugia region. I think that's how you say it. Listen, I, I speak English, um, so I'm not very great at all of these, these names. Um, but again, this one tends to be prune, plum, black cherry, black currant. Very fruity, um, mild and tannin alcohol and body low acidity this is your drinking wine this is your table wine that you can just sit there and just drink and not need food it's gonna be just really balanced um but again it's a really really rare wine because it only comes from the one region inside of italy um so when you do get your hands on it, make sure you try some barbecue with it. Um, I would say pork would be re- really great. Teriyaki is good. So the complexities of those flavors cut with the really nice, like, simple elegance of the Negro Amora. As I continue on my little Italian soapbox, because again, I told you guys I'm totally an Italian snob, but there's like 15,000 grapes from Italy and every bit of it is really, really good. So um, two other ones I really think that you should try to get your hands on, Norello Muscalese, N-E-R-E-L-L-O-M-A-S-C-A-L-E-S-E dried cherries orange zest uh some allspice comes from sicily norella muscalese is a really light bodied surprising wine 
similar to a Pinot Noir, to be honest with you. So this is another one that I would say could bring you into the red wine side of things. Um, definitely old world style. Nero Diavola, another one from Sicily that is more full bodied. Um, and this one tends to be likened to say a Cabernet Sauvignon. So if you wanna try both sides of the playing field, but from Sicily, Italy, get your hands on a Norella Muscolese and a Nero Diavola. That's your lighter bodied and your full bodied. Really, really cool. A few other grapes that we've kind of touched on, Petit Verdot and Petit Syrah, these are part of your Bordeaux blends. Petit Verdot, again, tends to be one of those like blending grapes. You don't see it very often by itself. It's blended in as a Bordeaux blend, brings the black cherries and the plums, but what the Petit Verdot does is it brings on floralness. It has violet, it has lilac, there is some sage. There's a lot of floral notes to Petit Verdot. So when you get a Bordeaux blend of some sort and you notice some of those floral notes, that's more than likely because there's Petit Verdot blended into it. Petit Syrah on the other side of that um, tends to be a grape all on its own, uh, can be blended. One of my absolute favorites, and I've talked about this when we went shopping, um, is Bogle, B-O-G-L-E's Petit Syrah. That's my go-to. I can sit here and drink that absolutely all day long, every single day. Um, sugar plum, blackberry, dark chocolates, some black tea, some black pepper. A Petit Syrah to me is just the overall everyday flavor that I personally want. You get the big fruits, you get the bold tannins, you're getting the berries and the chocolates and the peppers and the teas. And it is full of a little bit of umami. Um, very popular in the United States. Really just is a really popular grape in the United States. Um, again, grown pretty much everywhere else. But I absolutely love Petit Syrah. I think this is absolutely one of my favorite grape varietals. Cap Franc would be up there. Petit Syrah would be up there. Um... I do like some good Cabernet Sauvignons. I'm a huge GSM blend fan. Monastrella is one of my absolute favorites at this point too. Um, speaking of GSM, we've kind of talked about this a little bit where we've said Grenache, Syrah, Movedra, or Montestrel. But what I also have learned over, the, over time is that, again, where they come from also provides different flavor profiles. But there's a lot of other grapes that get kind of convoluted inside of the GSM blend. Um, so you start with the three, but you could essentially have a ton more grapes that go in there. GSM blends tend to hold black olives, uh, dried cherries, dried cranberries, raspberries, fig notes, honeydew melons sometimes, pink peppercorns, orange peels. The spectrum is all over the place because of the way in which it's blended, right? Um, I think we are very advanced at this point. I really think there's a lot of other red wines that we could get into. And I think we will. 
Um, a few other ones that I would recommend on like side notes to this, um, ones that I've tried recently that have kind of alarmed me because I've tried some that I've really not liked and I've tried some that I've really, really loved. Um, Tempranillos tends to sit with me there. It's a Rioja from Spain. Um, I either love them or I hate them. Honestly, it's fruity. It tends to be cherry and fig and a lot of people do really love them. I would also put this as one of those like starter wines. Um, I think that Merlot is one of the biggest ones I fight with on that note as well. Um, and I tend to kind of him and haw on some Pinot Noirs as well. So here's the deal. We've covered a ton of wines from sweet Brichettos to your starter wines like a Pinot Noir or a Norello Muscalese. We've gotten to your juicy Grenaches and your Merlots and your Montepulcianos. We talked a lot about Italian wines today as well, but like I said, there's like 15,000 Italian grapes, so we're going to cover quite a few of them. Tempranillo and its temperance with me. Some Bordeaux blends. We talked about GSM blends today. We are really making some serious headway. And I, again, want to thank you for everything and sticking with me. So as Viva Por Vino, a podcast about wine, continues, I mentioned before, stick with me. Next week is going to be Old World versus New World. We're going to talk about kind of the origins and where it started which we've talked about a, a lot of that in the history lesson that we did but we're gonna start our journey and travel around the world and I want to understand old world and new world and kind of where these grapes and varietals come from first so as we start moving forward I encourage you to start looking at different maps again Hang out with me on my socials so that you can get what you're looking for. Um, I will promise you that a lot of what I'm going to be pulling is from Winefoley. Winefoley.com, Winefoley the Master Guide. Um, I find Winefoley to be one of the better educators. Simplicity is genius and they're very simple. They give you it straight up and it's very visual and it's an easy way to learn. So if you're out and about and you stop at a bookstore or you want to Amazon.com it, I highly recommend the Wine Foley Magnum Edition Master Guide. Another book that I've been working through is the, it's called Wine, a Tasting Course from Grape to Glass from Marnie Old. Both of these are really great books. So if you're getting into this with me and you want to learn a little bit more, maybe a little bit faster, or for that matter, just kind of want to follow along on what we're learning. I'm not going from the beginning to the end of this book. I'm jumping around all over the place, but there's a lot of really cool stuff. And I really think that if you want to keep advancing your knowledge, um, start with something simple. 
And that's what I'm starting with, with, with you. So tune in next week for Old World versus New World. I hope you all have a very happy Valentine's Day. I hope you get all the wine you asked for. If not, go buy your own. Please make sure that you're taking notes with your journal. And if you have any questions, if you want to just chat, or if you have some suggestions on what I could do better or what we could learn next time, shoot me an email. Hello at vivaporvino.com. That's hello at V-I-V-A-P-O-U-R-V-I-N-O.com. Or get me out on my social media. Facebook or Instagram at Viva Porvino. And again, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for traveling this journey. We got through red wine today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. Around here, we live for wine. Cheers. <laughs>